Hey Journey, my name is Chris and I'm ecstatic that I have the opportunity to share with you this weekend, especially via video. Now, for you to understand why I'm here via video, I brought along my uh, trusty pastor easel because apparently that's all the rage around Journey. All the pastors are using them and I wouldn't want to be the one to end our weekend easel streak. So let me explain to you why I'm on these screens all around you. Here we go. Right here we've got a circle, which I think you're all very familiar with. And then we have a line, a little loop here, a little loop here, and there we have basketball. Yes, basketball. Now, this is in fact why I am on the screens and not with you in person because I coach basketball at Bozeman High where I coach the freshman team. Likely the winningest coach they've ever seen. I don't have official statistics on that quite yet, but I'll get them to you. But in all seriousness, I coach basketball because of a few reasons. I care about our community. I care about our high school students. And it's an amazing opportunity in which to influence and impact their lives in a positive way. And at the same time, it's me living out a calling that God's put on my life to coach basketball as well. And so that's why I'm on the screens. And then in other sports-related news, what I really wanted to say was I tried to warn Brian about a Super Bowl prediction uh, a couple weeks ago when he said, go Broncos. And it's apparent now that God loves the Seahawks more because that's how sports works, right? And so that's another reason I'm wearing my hawk shirt because birds of a feather flock together. Anyway, here I am on the screen loving every digital moment of being with all of you as we continue our series through the eyes of Jesus. And it's a, it's a pretty self-explanatory series, so I won't bore you with the details like how we'll be looking through the eyes of Jesus as we ask questions such as, how does Jesus respond to those in need? How does he see people, love people, interact with people, and ultimately live this life that God has for him? But before we talk about Jesus, I want to talk about me seems self-centered enough, right? So this, this last March, uh, Kate, my wife and I, we were driving from Phoenix to Bozeman and we had to stop in Salt Lake to fill up our car with gas. And, and as, as that was happening, right, we decided we probably needed to change clothes because we'd been wearing our flip-flops and our shorts and our t-shirts as we came from nice warm Phoenix and now we're entering into cold Utah, Montana, Idaho area. And so apparently you should change your clothes for driving conditions, says my wife. I don't know. Anyway, I say, okay, honey, I love you. And I go, I don't ever call her honey, by the way. That's a bad idea. Anyway, I go over to the trunk of the little Corolla that we're driving. Uh, I pop the trunk, open it up, and, and all our stuff's in there, all of our, our luggage and whatnot. And so I go in there to grab some shoes, but I got to get some new shoes. And so as I grab the shoes out of the trunk, as I'm doing that, my back goes out. And, and it goes out fast and painfully, and I fall face first into the trunk. Like I'm stuck in the trunk of the car. And Kate is, is filling up the car with gas while I'm doing this. And, and she sees me. She's trying to ask me if I'm okay. And I'm like, like, I can't speak. I'm in too much pain. I can't tell her if I'm okay. So I think she assumes I'm not okay at this point. And, and, and bless her heart, she finishes filling up the car with gas. And once she's done with that, she, she comes over and checks me out as I'm stuck in the trunk of the car. 
Like I can't move. And so she, she helps me like maneuver myself out of the, the trunk. I can't straighten up. I'm, I'm locked in this position. And so we kind of shuffle me around the side of the car and we open the back passenger door because I can't sit down and I can't bend and I can't move and I just fall into the back seat of the car. Like I'm still hunched over like this and my feet are hanging out the side of the door because I can't straighten out and get inside the car. I can't curl up. I'm just stuck. And so unfortunately, there's a bunch of other people who decided they needed to fill up with gas at that time and they're waiting to use that pump. And so Kate gets behind the wheel of the car and she drives us out of the gas station over to a little parking lot while my feet are hanging out the side of the back door uh, and I'm in pain and, and we drive away as everyone's watching me. <sighs> Horrible experience, really. And I'm in all this pain and so kind of what, what happened, the reason I'm telling you that story is I, I want you to understand maybe what was going on inside of me in that moment, right, of, of how embarrassed I was to be this way. Like I couldn't even look Kate in the eyes. Look, I can't even look at you in the eyes. Like I, I was stuck like this. Uh, I was in, in a lot of pain. There was a lot of shame that, that I was trying to hold back. I didn't want to be seen as, as the 29-year-old guy whose back goes out, right? Like I, I, I didn't want to be that. I knew I was embarrassed in that moment. I didn't want people to see me. And so it's like I wanted to just like crawl inside of my own skin and hide. And I think that while that is a bit of an extreme story, that we can all be a little bit bent over, worn out in our lives. We, can, we have this tendency to be like this, doubled over, don't we? And maybe we're unwilling to look up because we don't want to be noticed. We're, we might be ashamed that we're weak like I was or because of something we've done. Maybe we get embarrassed easily and we're unsure of, of who it is we really are or what our lives are about or what people will even think of us. Like we, we're like this, right? Bent over, unable to look up, afraid to look up, too proud to look up. And we find ourselves stuck like this. Or a lot like this one particular woman in the book of Luke who, who has an encounter with Jesus. And we're going to look at her life and we're going to watch as it collides with Jesus, certain to never be the same again. So beginning in Luke 13, 10, here's what Luke writes. He writes this. He says, one Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. And now remember, we're looking through the eyes of Jesus and Jesus saw her. He saw that this issue of being crippled was like a deep pain on, on many levels as something that she had to, to live with and endure. And so he writes, she had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. Like, let, let's stop there again. Right? When, when I read this story uh, from my past, right, the idea of being bent double didn't really mean much to me. Then this, this past March, I began to have some idea of what this might entail. Because well, what happens when you're, when you're bent over, when you're hunched over? Imagine what it would be like to try and talk to someone. Imagine how it changes your interactions. Imagine how it changes your view of yourself, and not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually as well, because all you ever see is dirt. This is why what happens next with Jesus is life changing. So Luke writes, when Jesus saw her, 
He called her over and said, dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. Right, so, so like what just happened here? Imagine you're this woman and you walk into the synagogue. Like the same synagogue you've been walking into for the last 18 years. And you're, you're hunched over. Right? You're not used to looking at people and certainly no one ever looks at you. No one ever looks you in the eye because to look you in the eyes would require them to like stoop low to the ground and look up. And essentially, if you're this woman, you're unknown and you're invisible. Like the pain is not just in your physical state. The pain is starting to seep deep into your heart and soul as you start to question who you are because all you ever see is dirt. And you start to question your identity and is it defined by your illness or your appearance or your past? We ask the same questions about ourselves. But this time, as Jesus is teaching, he sees you. And he, and he doesn't just see you. He acknowledges you're there, like alive, a real person, a real soul, and he calls you over. He invites you. Like this would have been especially powerful because women at this time in a synagogue, they stood on the edges of the synagogue and they were never interacted with by any of the male teachers, right? People pretty much ignored them on the outskirts. But Jesus, he sees everyone, even you. But even as Jesus calls you over and you start walking there, you're not asking for anything. And really, for maybe the first time ever, you're actually seen. Not just noticed, but seen as in your worth noticing. Then, in this moment, in the middle of Jesus' teaching in the synagogue, with other people listening in, people watching, they see the teacher see the invisible bent over a woman. And Jesus says, you're healed. But he sees this woman that these people might not have ever even noticed. They didn't even know she was there. And he says, you're healed. And what does she do? It says, how she praised God. You see, none of you are too bent over or too broken down or too prideful or, or too confused, too distracted, too invisible for Jesus to heal. Jesus sees you and longs to heal you and make you whole. He longs for you to stand up straight so that you can see him face to face and know that you're loved. That's what he's inviting you to. And maybe, maybe that's all you need to hear today is to be reminded that Jesus sees you. But let's say for a minute you've chosen to follow Jesus already. You've chosen to give him your life. And because he saved you and set you free, you're now to be like Jesus, right? He's in you. His power is in you and you're his child. So what's different? Let's say, since you're striving to be like Jesus, and I'm just assuming, right? Let's say that you're Jesus in this story. And so it would read like this. One Sabbath day as Jesus, that's you, was teaching in a synagogue, he saw, or you saw, a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. 
When Jesus, that's you, saw her again, right? He called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he, that's you, touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. Here's the thing. When we are in relationship with Jesus, then we are Jesus doing the scene. And if Jesus meant what he said, when he said we would be doing what he has done and even greater things, then I believe it starts with seeing. Who are we seeing? Who are we seeing that no one else is seeing? And what are we doing about it? Are we inviting them over? Are we willing to be seen with them? Are we willing to reach out and touch them and be with them? Are we willing to see as Jesus saw and do as Jesus did? Because Jesus first saw us and healed us and made us whole. And so when we praise him for this, just as that woman did, may it not only be with these empty words, but with sincere action because we're seeing like Jesus first saw us. So with that in mind, as that settles in, why don't we go ahead and set our things aside and be still in prayer with God? You could bow your heads if you want or close your eyes if you want. And as you take this time with God, reflect on being the doubled over woman who is seen by Jesus. Maybe relive the healing in your life when Jesus sees you. And then reflect on who and what it is Jesus wants you to see. I'll close us in a moment. Heavenly Father, we first of all want to praise you for being a God who sees us. A God who sees us just as we are, no matter where we've been or what we've done, no matter how hunched over our lives might be at this moment, you are a God who sees us. And you don't see us to condemn us or judge us or call us out, but you, you see us. And you long to straighten us up so that we can look you in the eyes and we would, we would know that we're loved by you. Thank you that you are a God who loves us. And God, as that settles into each one of our spirits, the truth that we are seen by you, my prayer is that, that all of us in this room would then walk out of here seeing as you first saw us. That we would see through your eyes, Jesus. And that we wouldn't be afraid to invite people over, to be with them, to touch them, to reach out to them, to love them as you first loved us, God. And that in that process, you would use us to help maybe make those people whole too by your power at work within us, Jesus. We thank you that we are seen. We praise you. And may our lives never echo empty words, but would they always reflect the transformation that is actually happening within us. We love you, God. We do all of this for your glory and in your name. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.